Welcome to Barrels and Burbs with hosts John Ingle and Roberto Cabrera. Over the next hour, you're going to learn some insider knowledge that will help you overcome and strategize in the cutthroat world of real estate. Now, here are your hosts, John and Roberto. Welcome, everybody. Burrows and Burbs, number 126, season four. And today, we're going to do Wall Street South, also known as West Palm Beach. And before I begin, I just want to thank our sponsor, and we're going to say share screen, Grace Farm. You know, I've been talking about Grace Farms for four years now, Roberto, but I don't think you really know what it is. So I'm going to just describe what we're looking at in this picture here. Grace Farms is a place in New Canaan, Connecticut. It's about 80 acres. They have a Pritzker Prize winning architect design this building that you see called the River Building, and it winds down the hill and it, it, it really spreads over the landscape but without being uh, obtrusive on the landscape. It's made of, of glass with a aluminum roof. And uh, what you see there is the cafeteria, but they've got a meeting space and they hold conferences, world, world important conferences at Grace Farms every month. And so uh, I invite you and all the listeners of our show to check out Grace Farms. You'll find it at gracefarms.org and uh, attend a conference or just go up there and have a cup of tea and enjoy the beautiful uh, the beautiful campus. So without further ado, I want to take, show you the map. This is West Palm Beach. This is what we're going to be talking about today. And my guests are from the Business Development Board of Palm Beach County. I have Kelly Smallridge, native of West Palm Beach. And I also have today Randy Binder from the Element office down there, and she's going to talk to us about several of the recent developments, new developments in West Palm Beach that she's been involved in. Um, so I'm going to stop sharing now and say hello to my co-host, Roberto. Say hello, Roberto. Hi, everybody. Hi, Johnny. Nice to see you. You got your propeller on. I'm so happy. I do. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I'm excited for West Palm Beach. I think it's um, I can't believe it's been four years and we haven't done a show on West Palm Beach because West Palm Beach is in the air. Everybody's talking about it. I'm flying into West Palm Beach next week. Your wife flew in this week. Everybody seems to know somebody going into West Palm Beach for some reason. Um, and when I go through Manhattan, uh, tell me about this, Roberto, if it's true. But when I go through Times Square, there's great big lit billboards that talk about Wall Street South in Times Square, Manhattan. Uh, it's it's on the tip of uh, everybody's tongue in Manhattan, is it not? So I think it's about time we under we we got a better understanding of what it all means. So with that, hello Kelly, hello Randy, tell us what is West Palm Beach? What is Wall Street South? So Wall Street South, those billboards that you mentioned were actually created by our Economic Development Board. As you mentioned, I run the Economic Development Board and many, many years ago worked with public and private leaders to create Wall Street South. A matter of fact, we're in the process of trademarking that right now. But if you look at what is it really, it's the transformation of this city that was built on tourism, agriculture and construction that has now become the hottest, greatest city in all of the state of Florida. We're 41 percent 
of all moves that came to the area after COVID literally came from New York. I, I think 13,000 people switched their license plate from New York to Palm Beach County. Um, their New York restaurants are coming. Uh, NYU just announced a major hospital in our area. And if you would have asked me that question five, seven years ago, uh, I would have said there were seven Wall Street South companies in West Palm Beach. And today there are well over 200 that we know about. And while it has been going on for about five to seven years, uh, and started slow 10 years ago, it is a very, very big economic development initiative and probably the most successful in the state of Florida. 200 companies up from seven. Yeah, when you look at what happened after COVID, the stars are really in alignment. You had so many CEOs in the Northeast, Boston, Chicago, uh, you know, Manhattan area that had second homes. So people say, well, why Palm Beach over any other place? Remember, they had second homes along the ocean anyways. Palm Beach has five wealth markets. It's not just the island of Palm Beach. It's Manalapan, Delray, Boca, the island of Jupiter, Wellington. And many of those ex executives knew that Florida was open for business. And so they came here with their families, stayed in their homes, looked around shortly thereafter and said, I could be doing this all year round. And when Kelly, 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 yeah. Naples could say, yeah, we're in Florida. We've got an airport. Why not Naples? Why not Charlotte? Well, I've got to pay you a nickel every time I say the words Wall Street South. You guys have something special going on. I right. mean, nobody's talking about Charlotte in Times Square. They're all talking about West Palm Beach. Right. Naples, those areas don't have 57 billionaires and 71,000 millionaire households. They don't have over a million square feet of Class A premier office space going up with intracoastal and ocean views. They don't have the top rated private and public schools and the initiatives to bring more of that here. Five hospitals looking to expand in the area. Uh, so there's a lot that Palm Beach has worked on that's given it this panache and appeal that has it now out of 67 counties in the state of Florida, the greatest wealth migration to Florida is happening in Palm Beach. With regards to just the Naples comparison, is it that they don't want that there or, and you guys do, or like you're putting a tremendous amount, I mean, what you're doing is unbelievable, but is that, that's obviously out of choice. Is that something they do not want? They don't have Kelly. That's the I problem. <laughs> I, I don't want to speak for them. Naples is probably one of my favorite places to visit, but I don't think that the plethora of business opportunities and the depth of the market is there. So we have a very strategic approach. The Wall Street banners that you see in Times Square, that's just the beginning. I mean, we have tentacles in those markets, um, you know, at least 10 times a year. So we are actively strategically and, and our big mayors and our county commission all rowing in the same direction. And we have the infrastructure from an office space perspective to support it. And I don't know that anybody else um, in Naples or Charlotte has that. Are all of the five spots you mentioned in the same county? Yes. What county is that? Palm Beach County. Okay. And what, how has the, uh, the population grown in like the last five years? I mean, can you give me some, some basic numbers? I would say that, uh, you know, we, we probably came from 1.3 to 1.4, almost 1.5 million. Um, we, there is a challenge of affordability right now. So while we have attracted a lot of people in, there's always going to be a little bit of out-migration. But we definitely see those numbers creeping up to, you know, 1.6. So 
Um, I, I wouldn't say that the population numbers have, you know, gone from one three to one seven overnight, but you can definitely feel a difference here because the majority of our growth years ago was growing what was in our backyard. When you start to bring in thousands and thousands of families to your county from the outside, they need things like what Randy provides. They need housing. Your, your local aviation company that's adding aviation jobs and is going to hire locally or from neighboring markets, they don't necessarily need to come in and buy a home. So we are feeling there's not one private school that has an opening uh, in Palm Beach County. And uh, we're getting, like I said, we're getting all these New York restaurants because of population growth. As um, Randy knows better than anyone, the number of luxury condos going up along the waterfront is at an all-time high. They're not building those spec. They're building those because they know that the money is coming to Palm Beach. And so our goal is not only to continue to foster that economic growth, but let's also make sure we maintain balance and quality over quantity. We don't want to lose the quality of life. That was one factor that brought everybody here. How much of the migration is uh, primary residence as opposed to, you know, a second home? Yes. And how has it changed? That's an excellent question. So m much more of it is, is primary residence. And the way that I know that is for this reason, um, a lot of them want to legally domicile in Florida. And so uh, six day, six months in a day, uh, I didn't see that before. I saw more of a shingle on an office space. Now I'm seeing 5,000 to 10,000 square feet. I'm seeing them pull their children out of prominent private schools in the Northeast and put their children here. Uh, and I'm seeing them um, you know, buy significant homes as opposed to small apartments or condos. They're not taking the, 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 the WeWork, Regis, you know, little office space. It's, it's, a, it's a significant commitment. It's not a two-year lease. It is now an eight to 10-year lease. And those are the differences and comparisons that I see right now, far more permanent than what I had seen in the past. And you can even tell the traffic. It used to just be January, February, March. You would have a lot of traffic. Now you have traffic all year long. The restaurants are crowded all year long. Pre-COVID, everything here would be like a ghost town in the summer. But now it's busy all year long. And again, you know, it speaks to what Kelly was talking about, that people are here permanently. Even if they have a second home up in the Northeast, they're here more than they're in their other homes. You know, it's funny because some places they're like, God, I can't. It's so busy now. I can't wait till it's off season and people go away so I can have my space back. But you're someone from there and you're saying you actually love all the activity and all the traffic and all the commotion. It's our great. Traffic, it's, our traffic isn't like traffic in New York. Uh, and, you know, one really key piece of infrastructure that most people don't know happened in South Florida is this Brightline high-speed rail. So now we're able to easily commute on a high-speed rail from Miami to Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, and to Orlando. And the push now is to get it to Tampa. So our ability to travel in our state is far better today than it ever was, you know, five years ago. So high-speed rail from Miami to Palm Beach or West Palm Beach is how long? Is Miami to uh, West Palm Beach is about an hour and five minutes. 
It stops in between in Fort Lauderdale. And again, it goes north to Orlando. So companies are coming here and they're saying two things. Not only can I easily travel throughout the state, but my ability to cast a wider net and attract a skilled workforce is greater because I can attract from Fort Lauderdale and Miami, especially if they have a hybrid work model, have them come up to West Palm two or three days a week. So you've been on the development board for how long? I worked here 36 years. So, wow. So in the last 10 years, I can't even imagine how different what the, just what you, all the circumstances that are coming across your desk of what you need to deal with, how it's changed. What have been the, what are the biggest things you've had to deal with over the last 10 years in order to handle and to manage, you know, planning what you're doing? Uh, it's a it's a very long 10-year strategic plan. So number one is vision. We knew we wanted to go from a service and tourism-oriented economy to one that was more knowledge, innovation, and technology-based. And sometimes when you fail in the beginning or it's slow, a typical economic development board would take their eye off that prize and just go in a different direction because they didn't get instant gratification. And instead, we just started to continue to chisel away at that. The other key piece is making sure that all of the universities, the public and private schools are all on board with our economic development strategy. Because if they're creating and training students for one program, and we're recruiting companies in another, then you miss out on the alignment. The third piece is just to make sure that the government, we have 39 cities in Palm Beach County. So imagine I have 39 mayors and a board of county commissioners really socializing that message that are you on this bus with us? Are we all rowing in the same direction is very, very important. And while we have 39 cities, there really are 15 that are solid economic development communities. So, for example, the island of Palm Beach is a wonderful place to live, but you're not going to see a 20-story office tower there. So it has its place in economic development, and West Palm Beach and Boca and Garden, Palm Beach Gardens, they have a different place in economic development. Also communicating with our cities about the roads, the water, uh, the traffic infrastructure that's needed was another very, very critical component. So I think you 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 hit it. it, it it's a very long process and you have to have the ability to coalesce everybody. But there's been strategic, um, consistent leaders at the helm. Uh, while I have 36 years in this business and I was born and raised in the area, our county administrator has equally been in Palm Beach County that long as well. So I'm going to pull up because you've been talking about I, I thought we were going to talk about Wall Street South. And I was a little bit surprised. I'm going to pull up your screen when I said um, so Wall Street South. And you said, well, actually, there's a whole lot more going on than just Wall Street. We have this page called Industries. And I said, oh, well, like, which ones do we want to talk about? And you said, for example, healthcare. Now, if I go to the healthcare page, I see that you've got 5,496 companies that you've recruited to Palm Be West Palm Beach, 79,000 jobs paying an average $72,000 salary, and ranked number one healthiest in the state of Florida by niche. So, and this is just one of the dozen or so industries that you're focusing. So I think it's a misnomer to just say Wall, Wall Street South is what you're all about. It's what you're most known for in New York. But clearly you've got a very uh, broad-based economy in West Palm Beach. Can you talk about that? 
Yes, and you're you're very right. Remember, I started by saying that the role of this Economic Development Board was to diversify uh, and complement the tr traditional economic pillars that were in place 50 years ago, which I, I mentioned was tourism and agriculture and construction. Our board was created to recruit those types of industry. We're, you're, you're showing pictures of sugar farms. We're one of the largest sugarcane pr producer, or we are the largest sugarcane producer east of the Mississippi. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of properties uh, that grow sugarcane, lettuce, sweet corn, peppers, and rice. Until uh, until Randy starts selling condos on those sugar <laughs> plants. Yeah, well, that's pretty far out. I think uh, the, the other, you're on it right now. Most people don't know that 1,600 aviation aerospace companies reside in Palm Beach County. And why? Well, because Pratt Whitney, owned by United Technologies, Sikorsky and Aerojet Rocketdyne, came in 1955 and took 7,000 acres on a million square and built a million square feet and were not far from the Cape. Uh, 39 of the elements in the Artemis launch were developed, designed, and engineered in Palm Beach County. Your conversation about Wall Street South is very, you know, you're on point. Wall Street South is that industry and that movement that is the sexiest in the last five years. But many of these others that you've pointed to have come along in Palm Beach County and that we've been growing over the last 20 to 25 years. I think that hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollar average salary in aviation looks pretty sexy right now. It's uh, it's even sexier than the financial services starting salary average salary of ninety four thousand. Um, corporate headquarters. You talked about being able to recruit corporate headquarters. What's behind the move of corporate headquarters? It's not enough, I guess, for a lot of these companies to just have a satellite in West Palm Beach. They've actually moved their headquarters. How come? because it's where the CEO wants to live. Ultimately, that person is the decision maker. Access to three airports, gated communities, safe communities, beautiful restaurants, wonderful quality of life, no state tax on personal income, the ease of doing business, the um, more friendly business and regulatory climate, the restaurants, the retail, culture, arts, recreation, outdoor concerts. One of the, the things- one of the things, that, yeah, the weather, of course, but but I always tell people, you know, our weather has been great from, you know, the time we were created, uh, when we were a state and the tax situation by constitution, we will not have a state tax on personal income. So that is a long uh, bit in existence, but people like the openness of our environment. It's funny, I could walk in a restaurant 20 years ago and know almost everyone. I bet you, Roberto and John, you could walk into a restaurant in Palm Beach County right now and know more people for me than me. Um, there are so many people from the Northeast and they feel as though the community is open. Most important, um, a lot of these Northeast companies said they cannot believe the difference in their children being in an environment that allows them to be outside 365 days out of the year. And when I asked uh, the private schools here in Palm Beach County recently, I said, you know, a lot of some pushback I get is, are your quality of schools really at the level of what we're getting here in New York? Because brokers oftentimes here, we're not going to move because we're concerned that our child can't get a quality education. What our private schools told me, and I did not expect this answer, is that the children from the Northeast are not necessarily coming in at a higher academic level. A matter of fact, the private schools here are having to deal with the idea that these children were locked up during COVID 
uh, and doing a lot more online type of academic curriculum than our children here. So there is a bigger adjustment for children coming from the Northeast. Not to say they're not academically brilliant. It's just a little bit more of an adjustment coming into this environment because they haven't had the classroom instruction they had before. But do you have enough schools? And a lot of people I talk to, it's not a matter of the quality of the school necessarily. It's there aren't enough. So you, I think you hit the number one issue that I face, and that's because of the transformational growth that we've experienced from the Northeast. However, I would say that I am very optimistic because I'm well aware of five private schools that are looking at this area. I'm also uh, a part of and leading many initiatives. To Wait, do look, looking to looking to open up a campus there. That is correct. Absolutely. I was about to say, why don't people like Roberto and I quit our day jobs, move down there and open up a school? Sounds like what you need the most. Yeah. There are two two types of businesses that I would open right now if I weren't doing this. One would be a private school and the second would be a private concierge house management business because these executives moving in have staffs for their home that are larger than the staff that I use to run my economic development board. <laughs> and they need people to manage their airplane, their yacht and their home. And, and it's a it's a lucrative business and we don't have enough of that private type of service here. So we don't have enough private schools. But as I said, I remain optimistic because many of them are looking to move in from the outside. We've been involved in conversations of prominent private schools in our area that may want to expand. And we're identifying properties so that when they're ready to pull the trigger, we are able to present the proper property um, with the mayors in agreement. What about the public schools? So I'm a pro I'm a product of the Palm Beach County public school system. And here's and what I would what, say. And look what she did. <laughs> I, here's, what, here's what I would say. Perception is not reality. I think Florida as a whole, not just Palm Beach, I think Florida as a whole has had a perception over decades for 50 years as not putting enough money towards education. And so we've gotten a very negative perception, but I think it's getting better. 20 years ago, if I surveyed business about the number one issue impacting their growth, they would say public education. Today, it doesn't even come up if you're here locally. If you give me, if you are a CEO, and remember, I serve on the front line every day of courting CEOs. I'm trying to win them over Charlotte and Austin and Nashville and, and my own internal markets of Miami, Orlando and Tampa. If you give me the opportunity to show you a public school, I haven't lost an executive yet. The problem is you don't give me the opportunity because you heard something at dinner one night when you were in New York. And, and so you, you, you're coming to the table with something that isn't necessarily true. But there are major initiatives in our county looking at public transfer, uh, public school transformation as well as private school growth. And what we're saying to both schools is this is not the same Palm Beach County that we had decades ago. So your students have to come out with a much different skill set than what we had before or what we needed before. Usually we have to start the show with a map. We did not do that this time because I think most people know that West Palm Beach is right over the causeway from Palm Beach. And most people know where that is. I'm going to pull up the map anyway, and I'm going to turn to Randy and say, after 20 minutes, I'm totally convinced that that's where I want to be. Do you have room for me? Where where are you going to put people like me and my staff? Where are you, Where is my staff going to live in this hot community? I mean, it sounds like you just said... 
We don't have enough schools and we are building as fast as we can, but we have an affordability issue. So talk to me about some of these developments. Who's, um, were they successful? What's, what's, and what's on deck? So the Bristol that you are showing on screen right now, that was the condominium project that got 69 people to take a gamble on West Palm. Most of the people that bought in there were Palm Beachers that before this building was built, never in a million years would they have ever thought that they were going to live in West Palm Beach because I grew up in New York. So it was kind of like West Palm was kind of like Brooklyn, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Now Brooklyn's like the hot borough. So I feel like West Palm, we are the hot borough. So 69 residents bought in the Bristol. When? What year? What year are we talking about? That was built in 2020. Okay. So again, perfect timing to COVID and everybody coming down here. So, and it was the first building that was built to that height. So it's 25 stories. And then that set the precedent that now you can have a 25 story building in West Palm Beach. So since then, there have been a few other buildings that Douglas Elliman is doing the project for and have done sales for. La Clara was another one. And we are in the process of selling Olara, which you just showed. Alba and all of these are multi-story units. Forte is another one that's going to be 25 stories. And so the developers saw all the growth that was coming and that's been coming. So the developers caught on and now all these people that are moving here have a place to live and it's luxury high-rise condos right along the water. Is the unit mix in these buildings from like four or five bedrooms all the way down to one? Correct. Correct. And what do and these a, cost? A large apartment. Sorry, John. A large apartment in one of these buildings would be 4,000, 5,000 square feet. Correct. Forte, Forte is even bigger, but I would say, you know, you two to three to 4,000 square feet are the averages. And the price um, ranges are? So the price ranges, you can now... Um, our newest project, which I didn't get to talk about yet, is our Mr. C's residences. And that's going to be a hotel, half hotel, half condo. And it's the Cipriani family. They built this project very similar down in Miami, and it's been a huge success. So now we're going to have this project here downtown West Palm. And those start just over a million so, I mean, the ranges are huge, but we're trying to have inventory to accommodate all sectors. Are so any of these apartments 15 or $20 million, $25 million? So the resales for the Bristol are right around that price point for the larger right. units in the Bristol. And has that been a big increase since when it first was released? Correct. So the Bristol and La Clara, which are now in the resale phase, Properties are double to triple what people paid. Wow. So the building has maintained its value and it's done very, very well. Correct. Correct. Which is why buying real estate in West Palm Beach is a great investment. Talk to me about the square. The square used to be called Cityscape, I think. City Play. 
City Place, sorry, City Place. And when I asked what is what was City Place, you said I think it was 20 years ago. This was the this was the beginning of the migration. Talk to me about the the evolution from the early days of City Place. So one name that hasn't come up is uh, bill- billionaire Steve Ross, CEO of Related Companies, an unbelievable visionary. And while we've had so much economic success and transformation, I really credit. Uh, related and Mr. Ross with a lot of that transformation that we're seeing because this is his vision, not just being a developer, but being a developer of the community. So as you're flashing these photos back 20 plus years ago, Related did a public-private partnership with the city of West Palm Beach and took an area that was very blighted. I was never even allowed as a child to go down to this area. It was drug-ridden, a lot of poverty, and they had the vision to turn it into a one wonderful um, retail, restaurant, quality of life, movie theater, comedy place, upscale uh, experience. It, it was a destination. And most recently, they've come in uh, and, and they've done some significant changes. You know, people change. Um, they used to have a Macy's there. They now have knocked down the Macy's and built a beautiful luxury apartment. So there's more opportunities to live in the square. You can see that there are community events for free, whether it's yoga or there's music at night, concerts. They've changed the mix of restaurants because they have a building that is 250,000 square feet in Rosemary Square with thousands and thousands of company or employees that have come from New York. So they're trying to really appeal to a younger audience and create a more one-stop environment, very hip, um, very walkable, very clean and safe for those who are living and working in the square and the city at large. Can, can you tell me something? So is I'm just trying to get a sense of how it feels. Like, is there a is there a city center, like a business district, or is it more interspersed? Where there are some of these office buildings that we're talking about, these AAA class office buildings, are they next door to uh, beautiful residential high rise that's coming up as well? Like, what what is the what does what it is feel it? like? Yeah. So imagine this innovative, creative metropolis lined with blue waters and palm trees um, and a 300,000 square foot office building on Flagler Drive overlooking the intracoastal and the ocean with the yachts right there, with restaurants at the base of the building, with people walking out and grabbing a a coffee, grabbing lunch um, at night. Uh, maybe coming back to the office, going to a steak dinner at Harry's. So there's on Flagler Drive where you see West Palm Beach and along that waterfront there, uh, not on the ocean, not where it says break. Exactly. That is called what we call the Wall Street South District. And the Wall Street South District is about five square miles. And it goes all the way back to where you see Publix. I'm sorry. No, that wouldn't be right. It goes all the way back to where you see that lake right there on the left of where it says West Palm Beach, a little bit further up. Further up. Yeah, oh, so this lake. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's clearly. So I would say there's a five mile square radius where it's fairly dense. And not only are there a wide array of great class A office buildings, but there's a million square feet going up and related is building one flagler at the base of one of the bridges. It's going up now and is attracting some of the best and brightest, again, from the Northeast to occupy that building. And then there are maybe two other buildings going up of about two or 300,000 square feet. So that's how you get to a million. 
and then add in all of the luxury condos in the apartments, restaurants on the base floor, a downtown street called Comatis, the square that we've already talked about. And so that makes up the density of that hub right there. It feels safe, warm, inviting, don't need a car. They're also working on mobility options. So you can come to work on the train, on, on the high-speed rail, get off, uh, get a golf cart. They have this circuit golf cart that brings you into the city. Um, and then you can Uber, walk, or trolley to go get coffee, breakfast, lunch, whatever. Executives tell us sometimes that they wake up in the morning at 7 a.m. They take a swim in the ocean. They get their kid to school. They come into the office in the square or on Clematis or Flagler. Uh, they can go home for lunch. Um, they can go home for dinner and they can come back after dinner. And, you know, you're only driving a few miles along that waterfront right there is where a lot of the Wall Streeters are buying their homes is on that road called South Flagler Drive. So we've seen um, homes that were maybe older being knocked down. And instead of them being two million dollars, they're now 13 to 15 million, which was really unheard of because Palm Beach was the place and the only place for you to buy a home in that range. And now we see a lot of 35 to 40 year olds that made really, really good money uh, in the Northeast and are coming in and really liking the quality of life at that waterfront area. And what uh, size are the lots along there with, that you're talking about? They vary. I, I would not say they are zero lot lines by any stretch. You're not reaching out your bathroom and touching your neighbor's shampoo bottle or anything in their bathroom. You've got a decent sized lot. Most of them, if not all of them, have pools. And they're all close to various golf courses and fresh markets and you know, all the amenities that you could ask for. There's just one thing that we don't have in Palm Beach County, and that's snow skiing. Other than that, if you want to surf, kiteboard, pickleball. I'm out. I'm out. I'm you out. got it. <laughs> and, 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 you know, on that note, from where you're pointing right now to the gate, I literally could park in the same parking spot at the airport every time I travel, which is about once a week, and literally get the same parking spot. And from my downtown office in West Palm to the gate is 11 minutes. And I'm through TSA, TSA and sitting at the gate getting ready to board the plane. And so I didn't mention the convenience of the airport, but you really have to factor that in. The I think closest international airport is which? Fort Lauderdale. And that's how far? Uh, about mm, an hour if you drive it by car, a little over an hour. But Brightline takes you right there as well. Hmm. Just jump on the train. You don't, you don't need to drive down there. Am I too late? I feel like I'm too late. I feel like I should have been down there in 2020. Never too late, John. Never too late. It sounds like, well, you just talked about million dollar waterfront lots are now $15 million. And uh, I don't, I don't play in those circles. So yeah, but you know, I didn't, I haven't even started to talk about any of the, what I call infill cities. Like I don't live anywhere near there. I live in the equestrian area which offers a wonderful quality of life, which is much further west than West Palm. So, you know, people may be listening and thinking, well, where will I live? Well, there are many, many great opportunities to live in this community with all A-rated public schools. West Palm Beach is not the only city in Palm Beach County. There are other business hubs, the Palm Beach Gardens, Jupiter area, as well as Boca, Del Rey, uh, also offer Boynton Beach wonderful business opportunities. 
So my, I have four kids in, who are all in their 20s and they're thinking about their jobs and they're thinking about where to settle. And what I just saw was something like 5,000 companies and, and all those average salaries seem to be pretty good. They all seem to be um, offering $100,000 jobs. But that's the concern is that I moved down there and that it's really it's it's a it's an expensive cost of living and it's getting more expensive all the time. Is that is it affordable for a 20 something year old who goes down there? I, I know some who worked for the related companies who were who were moved down there during covid. And, um, you know, I think they got in before the run up in prices. But now maybe it, a lot of people feel like it's too late. There are affordable options. And I would say that, you know, it, funny when people think Palm Beach, they think if I if I'm not able to buy a home on Flagler Drive, then it's not affordable. Then you don't have affordable. Can we check in now? And no, the real they'll let us go in. Oh, I've, okay. lived, I've lived here my whole life and I've never lived anywhere near the water. There are so many other options for 20 year olds to live in. Uh, and like I said, there are infill cities that are right along the main artery of I-95. There are transportation options that, to bring them into the city. And so young people, when I was growing up here, it seemed like the average age was 72. The average age in West Palm is 39 and a half. If you were to go to the square right now and have a coffee or um, you know, just go shop somewhere, you're going to see the average age seems like it's 25 years old because there are companies that have, there's one company called New Day USA that hired 621 to 27 year olds. And these young people like it. There's a lot to do. There's a great nightlife. We have the ocean. Where do, so I'm going to pull up the map again. So where do those 27-year-olds, where do those 35-year-olds live on this map? They're not on Flagler. Okay, so if you look at Lake Park, if Where's you look that? Right, right north of West Palm Beach, keep going up. The, the Lake Park area, keep going right there. That North Palm Beach area also has opportunities. Go back down to West Palm Beach. And if you were to go due left, uh, there are great opportunities in Royal Palm Beach. And then if you were to go down uh, for families, especially, this is where I live, just go down to Wellington. That is the equestrian capital of the world. And they have many different options there. If you go to the right, that pocket of green acres in Palm Springs is also very affordable. And it's as is the Lake Worth area, although Lake Worth is closer to the water, so a little bit more expensive. But Green Acres and Palm Springs have great areas. I have a son in Palm Springs right now in that age bracket. Kelly, how long does it take to drive from Wellington to where it says West Palm Beach, where the two lakes are? That's my drive every morning. And uh, if I leave early, it's about a 30 minute drive. If I leave in rush hour, it's a 45 minute drive. Mm -hmm. And people from the Northeast are always used to long commutes. I mean, what, what we perceived here as long commutes, it's nothing compared to, you know, taking the path or the Long Island Railroad and then having to take a subway to get to your office after you get off the train. It's yeah. much easier. So you have obviously naturally you're having a tremendous amount of people coming from the Northeast. But where is the next two places from which they're coming from other uh, besides the Northeast? Well, believe it or not, we are getting a lot moving up increase from Miami as well in Chicago and California would be the other markets. OK. And why California? What's the difference? The politics, California? the politics. Oh. Yes. And the crime. 
Um, many of them say we don't want to leave, especially I, I was working with a multi-billion dollar uh, financial service firm. If they were in New York, it would have be ca called a Wall Street South company, but they're coming from California. And they said, we've been here for decades and we really don't want to live. The, the quality of life, the beaches are as beautiful as what you have there. But the crime and the homelessness is not something that we can tolerate anymore. And what about Chicago? Why are they coming from Chicago? Crime. Again, fine. Yes. Anybody from Texas? No, not as much. A matter of fact, I would I would say that at one point Texas was probably our biggest competitor, but uh, I don't see as much coming from Texas. And, and you know, another comment about the Northeast. Remember, we're all in the same time zone, and the, and direct flight. So being in the same time zone matters. And also uh, connectivity matters. So some people in the morning, if you get on JetBlue at 630, you're going to see a host of Wall Streeters going up for a nine o'clock meeting and coming back for dinner. By the way, I, I booked my uh, flight for next week and uh, to West Palm Beach, to Palm Beach International Airport uh, from White Plains um, because it's but but there were plenty of LaGuardia and Kennedy options. But from White Plains, which is right next to me, it's less than two hundred dollars. It's a direct flight, and I think you have more flights than to Palm Beach than I have trains into Manhattan. I think there are uh, eight trains every day uh, during rush hour into Manhattan. You definitely have more than eight or fifteen flights into Palm Beach every morning, and they're cheap and they're direct. Without a doubt. People book it the night before sometimes and they, they state convenience all the time. And we struggle with, you know, do we really want to advocate for more direct flights out of Palm Beach International Airport? Because with that is the downside. The bigger you get, the less convenient it's going to be. But it is one magnificent airport to travel in and out of. You get spoiled. You don't ever want to go out of another airport. And, and no. I survey a lot of people, um, you know, do you like it here? What don't we have? What do we have? And 99.9% and .9 of the time, everybody says, I'm not leaving here. I came from the Northeast and I'm here to stay. So you know, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I, let's, I moved here. Let's put on the crystal ball and t say, so where does this end? I mean, I'm going to pull up while you're talking. I'm going to pull up the... Um, the market report. I think I have a market report here. Yep, I do. Boom. And um, I see uh, I see a graph line that's going up, 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 up. Uh, what am I seeing on this market report? Let's explain the market report and then give me your predictions. So Douglas Elliman puts this report together every quarter for every market that we're in and every city within that market. So this is the West Palm Beach market report for our most recent quarter, which was fourth quarter of last year. And yes, I mean, you can see prices have gone up, sales um, inventory is up, sales were down a little bit, but that's because we were just coming off of such an incredibly strong 2022. So prices year over year are up eight and a half percent. And that's for single family homes. Okay. And your inventory, surprisingly, I thought it would be going down. It's going down here in Connecticut uh, from already low levels. Your inventory went up 3.7%. More people put their houses on the market. Why? I thought, uh, are they all trading up? What, what's happening? 
Yeah, I mean, you can see prices are going up. So people took advantage of a strong market and put their houses on the market more than they did the year before. Okay, and now let's look at condos for a moment. Also up, not up even more than single family. They went up 10.9% increase in median sales price. And a huge jump in inventory. And a big inventory. So these builders are meeting the need. They're building as fast as they can, and the government is letting them. Yep. Yes. So what? It, so let me ask you, you obviously there's, there's a lot of people moving there and they're establishing residency there and spending six months plus one there. But do you finding that these people are adding this property to their portfolio or are they are some of them actually they're picking up, sell it, downsizing in the northeast and taking some of that money to buy there? You have a combination and there are also a lot of investors that are buying, fixing, flipping as well. So we have a lot of investors that are just buying product for the sake of making money on it. Not so, how about a, so what, what about an investor? Let's say in one of these new buildings, you know, I wanna buy a property to have it, maybe live in it in 15 years. Can I buy it and rent it for a decent price or am I gonna lose on that proposition? So in the condo market, it varies depending upon the rules of the homeowners association. Some condos want want the building not to be transient. So you have to own it for a year before you can rent it out. Others, all of our new projects, you can rent it out immediately. Mm -hmm. So if it's an investor, they like to buy the ones that they can rent out immediately, not have to carry it for a year. So, Kelly, let me ask you something. It's, it seems that these, these developers are meeting a, level, a, a certain level of demand and you're growing. And we were talking about a population of one, three to one, five, somewhere in that range. One five. Where is that population in 20, you know, 10 years from now, 2034? Is there a plan for what that could look like? I mean, are you going to be 1.8 million? Are you going to be 2 million? Roberta, I'm struck by the consistency of the line since 2014. I'm not seeing a great big effect from COVID or uh, recession or boom or liquidity. I'm, I'm looking at a line here. No, uh, I agree. You know what that shows? It shows tremendous balance in between yeah. supply and demand, which is an amazing thing to achieve. I think it's because Kelly's been sitting in the driver's seat for 35 <laughs> years. Sure That's you know, why I'm asking her the question. No, I, I do think that we are in a unique situation. I mean, it, it, what we see here in Palm Beach, what, what these numbers represent, what I've explained in terms of economic growth, you don't really see that in other outside of Florida, in other parts of the United States. This is a very, very unique situation. And your question was, are you? do you think you'll continue to grow? And, and I would say that the answer is yes, uh, we will continue to grow. Um, the one issue that pops out that we have to keep our eye on is affordability. And I think the reason why a lot of our affordable housing cost went up significantly is we didn't have any inventory. You know, we were behind in inventory like 20 years. So we passed a workforce housing bond and put it before the voters 
over a year ago where there is a $200 million bond that loans out money to workforce housing developers. And it does two things. One, it gives you a low interest loan that you have to pay back if you decide instead of building a condo, you build 25% workforce housing in that building, you get a low interest loan and then you pay the money back and the money goes back into the pool. The second is our legislature in the state of Florida passed what's called a Live Local Act. So let's just say you own a piece of property and you want to go vertical. This act allows you to go as high now as the highest building within a five mile, mile radius, as long as you build a certain amount of workforce housing. So prior to those two measures in place, you had a situation where all these people were moving in and there was so little inventory that your monthly rent in an average 2-2 went from, say, 1500 to 2500 or, or 3000 if you were in the city. And now we're starting to see that level out and that the increases annually are not as are not going to be as large because now you have more and more inventory popping up, especially in these infill cities. And that inventory is popping up because we know where we're going to go. And that is most likely towards that 1.8 million. So I think that cost increase is going to simmer and level out, whereas before it was just on a straight up trajectory. Can I pay you a compliment? It, it occurs to me that uh, it's the BDB right there over your shoulder that is the big difference because there's plenty of other Florida cities, as you pointed out, we'll pick on Tampa for a moment. They've got an airport, they've got nice weather as well, but you guys some, somehow got organized and made a attractive business climate and you uh, an attractive development climate and you're addressing the school question. You haven't talked to me about addressing the traffic problem, but I'm sure we'll get to that. But it sounds like that, uh, I'm going to pay you the compliment. It sounds like you and your team are like the Robert Moses, you know, what he was to New York. Like, okay, we're going to take a plan and we're going to figure out how to get the infrastructure in place to make sure that New York functions for the next 100 years. And you guys are doing the same thing in Palm Beach. And uh, it seems to me that Tampa and Miami and the others could take a page from your book. Well, you're you're awfully kind, and I certainly our organization cannot take credit. We we're, we're leaders, but boy, do we have a lot of partners and collaborators, all working together. And I, I learned early on as I visited different places throughout the United States, you know, just sort of the the infighting and the lack of a consensus a concise agenda that sort of pointed everybody you know, down the same path and not allowing us to take our eye off of the vision for which we were created. That That's a lot harder than it sounds. Um, Tampa, Miami, Orlando are great, great areas. I just think I've been at it a little longer. That's all. But are, are, so would you project crystal ball that this line continues to move on the same trajectory, the prices continue to go up and development continues to be encouraged? Or is there a point where you say, we're going to have to start to discourage development? I know that in Connecticut, many towns have discouraged development. They don't want increased density. They don't want the traffic. They don't want the load on the schools. But you are embracing the density. Um, we well, remember, we really didn't have a lot of it, you know, prior to the last 
10 years. And so, you know, the, the biggest complaint, I can remember waking up to the headlines in Palm Beach County, uh, fairly critical saying, when is Palm Beach County ever going to catch up and bring some higher knowledge, innovation and technology companies here? And when are they ever going to raise their salaries? And I felt like I was getting beat over my head, you know, for years, uh, you know, back in the 1990s. And uh, now they're saying, go ahead, take a day off. Exactly. And, and so be careful what you ask for, because when you give me some direction and we build a strategy, I'm going to be like a dog on a bone about getting to that end goal. So <laughs> I, I warned everybody in, in the very, very beginning, uh, even the most poorest parts of our county, we've been able to land a, a fairly large 200,000 square foot concrete manufacturing um, in, in a very poor part of Palm Beach County. But so, yeah, we embrace it. But as I said earlier, you know, quality, maintaining quality is very important. And while we are very proud of the growth, we are also very cautious that as we continue to build out our community, that we don't knock down green fields and we don't have every piece of property with concrete structures. It is the beauty of our water. It is our parks, our green spaces, our open areas, our sidewalks, the ability to bike, all of that that makes us really unique. It is a tropical paradise. And so we we, we like density in some areas uh, and it belongs in some areas. And then there are other areas where it doesn't belong. And we're, we're trying, many cities west are trying not to create this urban sprawl and sporadic growth. They're really trying to concentrate it in business hubs. So it, it's a, it really is a balancing act. Randy, can you hook up somebody like me if I wanted to come, if I'm convinced after the last 55 minutes that Palm Beach is for me? I promise I would take really good yeah. care of you. Can you hook so, up my kids, my poor, my poor 20 something year old millennial kids? I mean, we honestly do find something for everybody. Kelly is right. You know, there is affordable housing. I did notice a median condo price of $250,000. Correct. Which, which is hard to believe. The numbers don't lie. Okay. And um, so what's the strategy? I come down there. I want to move my business. I call Kelly. I want to move myself. And I want one of those uh, precious private school spots. Where do I start? <laughs> well, as far as um, where you would live or as far as how do you get your kids into the schools? It seems to me that I, I go find somebody who's been there 20 years like yourself. And, exactly. And and then we always have Kelly on our sides, too. Kelly is definitely a mover and a shaker, and she certainly helps with companies moving here. I have clients that I've worked with that have relocated here, and they are so grateful to the assistance that Kelly's organization provided them to help make their transition as smooth as possible. Well, this has been a, an awesome show. Yeah. This is our Amazing. final minute. Roberto, you have a final word for us? Uh, I want to work for Kelly. Um, <laughs> uh, no, she's formidable. I mean, I think I think you said it earlier. I really think you guys, des they, they deserve tremendous credit for what's happening there because that takes that takes a, a very large execution. plan to make happen. And uh, and it's amazing. And the things that we're seeing that they're building down there, the, the, the buildings that Randy introduced, beautiful. 
Absolutely beautiful. I, I guess what I learned in this show was Wall Street South isn't the half of it. That's what I learned, that it's not just a, a home for hedge funds. It's really a whole lot more. So thank you very much, Kelly. Thank, thank you, guys. Andy. This is really illuminating. So much. Thank you and, so much. And what we like to say is at Douglas Elliman, it's a movement. It's not a moment. It's a movement. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. And I'll, uh, I guess I'll see you next week when I fly direct for under $200. Thank you. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Burrows and Burbs. We hope we've given you some strategies you can apply in your own real estate journey. Until we talk again, have a wonderful week.